Hey guys, welcome to So Fast, So Furious, the ultimate Fast and Furious podcast. Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time, so we're watching the Fast and Furious movies a quarter hour at a time. I'm Zach Bassetta, screenwriter and movie enthusiast. I'm Vito Lapicola, writer, producer, and director. And I'm Anthony Ray Bench, co-host of the Film Threat Podcast and critic for FilmThreat.com. And we all have slightly different, I think, experiences with uh, Fast and Furious. You're the... Oh, yeah. You, so, you loved it from the beginning, Vito. So, yes. So, I saw the Fast and Furious in the theater. I knew that it was... It was it was like a B movie. I wasn't expecting much out of it, but when I watched it, uh, there was just something about it that I really identified with and loved. I know nothing about cars. Uh, the car culture yet, identified you. Yeah, but but for out. some reason, like there was something about the movie that just kind of took me in. So I've been watching them all from the very beginning, and I've been a fan. Uh, so yeah, I'm coming from this. Uh, I'm coming from the perspective of being an ultra fan from the beginning. Even even the, well, the second movie, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. But like, <laughs> the second movie is not so hot. But the rest of them, I just flip out for. I can't convert I'm, enough. I'm a convert. I, yes. I had no interest uh, from the beginning. Uh, I remember the first movie coming out, and uh, Limp Biscuit was all over the trailer, which checked me out automatically. Yeah. I yeah. had no interest in anything having to do with Limp Biscuit, and you know, I wasn't a car guy either. Oh yeah, make make no mistake. This first movie has early '90s written all. Over, I mean, early early 2000s, 2000s written all over it. Like vomited all over. Three hundred years from now, someone will be able to watch that and go, "Oh, that I think that came out in like 2001." That's what 2001 was like, right? Yeah. So, uh, so then once I found out that they were doing like a part five. I'm really into movies with a bunch of sequels. Like, I'm into franchises, I right. guess. And so that made me want to go back and watch them. And the first time I watched them through, I watched them kind of distracted, you know, maybe talking to somebody else or, you know, watching them but not fully paying attention. And so the entire plot of seven movies just kind of blurred. Like, I couldn't tell you what the difference was between four, five, and six and, and all that. And so, and so now, going back and watching them a little bit more slowly, I'm just I'm realizing how great the Fast and Furious movies are and how much great shit is buried in the dumb shit. Because, like, let's be honest, there's a bunch of dumb shit. Yes, but that's that's what's so great about them is that there's a bunch of dumb shit, but they're so densely plotted when you look at them as an... Uh, I hate to sound like such a film critic person, but, like, the overarching... Like, if you look at the series in the overarching way, there's a lot of stuff that they planned out and a lot of really clever fixes that they've come up with for, like, things that happened in the earlier movies where you're mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make sense. How does this happen? They They took note of that and changed the format of the films and, and they did all these amazing right. things to make it all fit so it all really works like a big puzzle and which is really interesting totally and, and and from what I gather there's a lot of continuity porn in this, this series oh, yeah. Anthony has not seen these I, I've seen the, the latest one the one so that, that just was, came out. And so that was eight. Okay. For those of you who are listening so, to... Uh, so you saw The Fate of the Furious. Yeah. Which is the eighth film directed by F. Gary Gray. Yeah, I, I was a little out of my element. Um, I, I have not seen any of the movies prior. Um, just based on the trailers. Like, seeing it, I was just like, that's that's not really for me. Um, a little background on me. Like, I grew up, um, in my teens at least, in this small mountain community. And it was You're a lot like, man. yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally a mountain man. You can see my beard. Um, but, like, it, it was kind of, like, divided, at least our age groups were divided by people who were, you know, super duper into cars and football and that sort of thing. 
and then the geeky kind of nerdy punk rock like skater kids Mm -hmm. and i was definitely that so like watching the trailers it was just like oh a movie about the people that i don't relate to and don't (laughs) like people that i wanted to move away from as quickly as possible they made a a full hour and 45 minute movie about them yeah yeah just that bro culture the the loud jarring like hip-hop music um you know everything about cars like basically car porn that's what it looks like it was just like it's totally car porn it's heavy car culture Culture. Yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely something that I was never a part of. Yeah. You imagine watching, like, Michael Bay watching this movie and masturbating furiously. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Fast and furiously. Yeah, fa- both fast and furious. <laughs> but I know more about the Millennium Falcon than I do my own car, which, you know, right, right. is I, I, either I, I, cool oh, dude, or super I, I've pathetic. I've seen all eight on, of these yeah. movies. I couldn't tell you shit about cars. They have wheels. There yeah. are five wheels if you include I the steering there's wheel. An engine. Yeah, there's an engine. You put gas in them so that they go. You make sure the engine is, I mean, the uh, oil is changed. Mm -hmm. That's about all I know about cars. But that doesn't change the fact that these movies are awesome. Yes. And so. Well, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm open to this journey, this, this experience, you know, kind of. We're going to go through them in agonizing, unnecessary detail. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm, and, I'm and, on board. I'm along so, for the ride, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> vroom, ride or die, vroom, baby. Vroom, vroom. Well, here's the weird thing, which I, I think is going to be an interesting experiment, is that Zach and I have both seen these movies multiple times. Anthony has only has never seen this movie. So we're, we're going to be talking about the first 15 minutes of the first Fast and the Furious film. And, which I have and, seen. Oh, now. you have well now. Well, no, but the, no, but, but you're you're only movie. seeing them in fifteen minute increments. Yeah, which is going to be really interesting because you're not even like you don't even know the premise of the movie. Yeah, really. yeah. Oh, I, I mean, because we've kinda watched do. the first fifteen. Now we just watched them. Anthony had not not seen it before at all. Yeah, and so yeah, you're going to be watching these in a really weird order, which is going to be interesting. Fifteen minutes at a time, just as Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time. Exactly. So that's going to be very interesting seeing your perspective. So um, Zach, um, why don't we? Probably, I think we should probably go over like the plot, obviously, of the fifteen minutes that we're watching, and then we'll yeah. kind of like dive so, into it from there. Okay. Well, I was just going to go through it, uh, sort of beat by beat, and then talk about them as we get to each little bit. By, by the way, we do have to point out that this movie was written by David Ayer, or he at least he is one, one of the four three. writers. Three yeah. or four writers. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so David Ayer, who uh, did Suicide Squad, who Fury. was also uh, Fury, uh, Deep Bright. Blue, I believe, not Deep Blue, I'm sorry, uh, the one with... Bright? I'm totally, yeah, he did Bright, yeah. sadly enough. But he's he's a really good writer. I think he wrote Training Day. Mm-hmm. Um, he's yeah. a pretty pretty interesting. interesting writer. He writes a lot of cop films, uh, which spoiler Anthony, <laughs> there will be some cop coppery involved. <laughs> yes. Look, I, I'm not completely. Movie. I'm not completely ignorant to these <laughs> movies. I, I mean, I know that you know Paul Walker is a cop. Okay, so right, I guess an I undercover. Say that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. And, and wait, and the movie was directed. So, so each of these movies, uh, there were three directors in the franchise so far. Four. Four. Rob oh Cohen. yeah, because John Singleton. Yeah, so the well, first five. film. No, five then. Well, I'll just go through them. Uh, yeah, Rob Cohen, Rob Cohen, John Singleton, Justin yeah. Lin, James Wan. Oh yes, and and F. Gary Gray. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So and James Wan did the most of them, right? He did seven. Justin Lin. No, Justin oh, okay. Lin did the majority. He did uh, three um, through seven. Yeah. So the first no, film is directed by Rob three Cohen. Six. And uh, Rob Cohen has done films such as Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, uh, Dragonheart, Stealth. Uh, the mummy. Um, it was the one Which with uh, it was Fraser? Tomb of the. It was the one with uh, the third one. 
Yeah, it was the one with Jet Li in it. I can't gotcha. remember its full name. Uh, Daylight, Hurricane Heist. Uh, he's mm. made some great movies, some bad movies, but in general, a pretty solid action sure. film director. Like he's he's. Uh, I would say he's one of those guys you could bring in, and you're reasonably sure you're going to get a, a solid action movie. You know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, I just no, wanted no to point that out before we get into the plot because. It is important to like acknowledge who's directing and writing and stuff, so we kind of have an idea. Well, should we mention the other three writers? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, I don't know that they've um, gone on to doing anything. So there was a magazine article by a guy named Ken Lee. It was Racer X. That is what they based this movie on, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, just an article about the street, illegal street racing and the street racing culture, I think, in maybe New York. Who would have thought? This is, I'm, I'm betting that this Ken Lee guy gets credit on all of the movies and probably a large chunk of cash, which is hell. I, I would love to write an article somebody adapts. And then uh, Gary Scott Thompson, uh, Eric Bergquist, and David Ayer are the other uh, screenwriters. Interesting. So it had four, count them, four screenwriters, That's which I'm sure things. Anthony's going to have a lot to say about uh, if his face is any indication as to what he thinks about <laughs> the first 15 minutes of this movie. So with that not, being not said, impressed. Zach, plot, give us the plot. Okay, so we start on the docks somewhere in California where a semi-truck is being loaded up with electronics, VCRs, small TV sets, home video cameras. What's, what is a VCR? Well, it's basic, Well, later on, they even say DVD I'm players, kidding. but they yeah, are yeah. clearly v- Ancient VCR technology. players. Yeah. Ancient technology that, that, that people 300 yes. years ago. So that's what it was like <laughs> in 2001. Wow. And so basically, it's, it's stocked full of anything you could have won on the prices right in the 90s. Uh, a skeezy dock worker... <laughs> notifies someone on the phone telling them that the money load is headed their way he mentions his share implying he's working an inside angle so clearly inside job it's an inside job but i don't think this guy is really going i mean like he's just saying hey there's a shipment coming i don't know that he's really going out and putting his neck on the line that much i do not believe he is one of the the pursuers which we're going to be talking about in a moment well in fact we cut to that night and it's clearly daytime at the dock, by the way. I don't know how far the distance was they were driving here. They end up in Long Beach. It's like three seconds later, and it's and like nighttime. three hours have passed. I right, don't understand right. how that works. but okay. I was so confused. Were you, yeah, yeah. It's kind of jarring, right? Oh, it's very like, jarring. And it, it is interesting, though, too, because as we pointed out, Anthony, there are really good transitions further on in the 15 minutes yeah, that show agree. it going from night to day and things like that. And for some reason... They could have like alleviated that with the guy going, you know, they should be coming your way in about three hours. And then you go, oh, it's dark now. Yes. But it something. literally cuts from day to night, which we'll blame on the editor and not the director. I think they thought it looked cooler. That, that right. this Because this, this is essentially the first heist of the entire series. Yeah. And uh, Spoiler. I guess a little there bit. Are hor- there are heists in all well, of the it movies, is a, Anthony. The, yes, this is a heist, regardless of it's who a heist is involved. Thriller. Yes. It's like Ocean's Eleven with cars. But in this one, like, at least because, you know, again, I have seen the eighth movie and Mm -hmm. like, I I don't remember much of it, but what is happening? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, But I'm watching it and they're like trying to steal like some kind of device that like destroys all electronics or something. Well, this is far, far. And yeah, yeah, this is very simple. It's going to destroy what's in that truck (laughs) at the beginning. We brought it full circle because it'll destroy everything in the truck that they're heisting. So everything just gets like escalated with like the the insanity meter oh yes. yeah it just keeps going this, up and up and up yes each of the movies is going to get bigger and bigger until it's roseanne bar yeah it, 
It's almost like an urban, like, James Bond oh, like, type yeah, thing yeah. with supervillains. As you yeah. will shortly find, this first movie has none of that. Mm. That will be the mythology that is that springs from this first film. Like, everything yeah. that you get in those later films, believe it or not, was birthed in the very tight screenplay, I might point out, for this movie. Okay, to be sorry. honest, I'm, I'm more excited about the, the supervillain and, like, Explosive, we'll and you'll, yeah. you'll get there in about and fifty you episodes. Will, you will appreciate this first film even more because it sets all this stuff up. Yeah, it's really amazing how they've built upon this. So sorry, Zach, no, no, no. Please continue. And so these black sports cars show up to ambush uh, the semi truck, uh, which, by the way. Yep. No one ever stops. Have you ever noticed there are cars and he just keeps there, driving. There are cars flanking this 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 truck going fifty something miles an hour instead of stop. He's like, oh my god, I'm being hijacked. Well, we should instead point of out, stopping. Uh-huh. He just keeps driving recklessly. One guy hops into the well. They, into the they have van. these grappling He's guns him with like a bat, <laughs> but he is like not going to get rid of that stash. Like he owns it. Mm-hmm. Is it his stash? Well, no, Why is he just, so invested? But like, well, because you got the car coming up in the front, and then one of the crew has like this grappling gun harpoon thing right. that they shoot at the the semi truck. Out the window, pulls out the window. The driver's just. Plowing ahead, he's I mean, like, like I no reaction stopping. from the driver. Really I know that. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that was because that was a shot with the stuntman. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he he's too focused on the on the driving. Yeah. To 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 to, to put acting in there. Also, and they also had some so. rig on the front of the truck that was green screened out. I think that was kind of a harness for the because because then possible, another yeah. guy jumps onto the cab right. from the car. Infiltrates the cab. He gets into the cab, Indiana Jones style. Yes. Yeah. And then the guy starts beating him. Okay. So the nerd in me has a question. Yeah. Sure. Uh, how are the special features in in these DVDs or Blu-rays? We may actually like, watch those and do some commentary on those as well. Okay, because I'm sure like the stunts are, are insane and, and just yes. very. I think they get more detailed as the series goes because like the Blu-ray, it's just got the kind of. Is it bare bones? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a bunch of featurettes, but it's versions. all. What's that? I, I haven't seen the Blu-ray versions. You know, I've seen the stuff on DVD usually mm-hmm. because I'm I'm old school like that. I saw them all on VHS. There this were no special Blu-ray. features. We just watched no, yeah, but I mean, I have not watched the Blu-ray features, so I know they probably have more. I watched a few, you know, and it was a bunch of what, like uh, press stuff from when the movie was coming out. Like, I haven't watched. Uh, all of them, but so forth. Like the making of was just kind of basic. Like it was 19 minutes long. Yeah. Okay. So pretty, pretty simple. But what I do find interesting about this uh, first heist is it was based off of a sequence in Stagecoach, and so like the cars are okay. horses essentially, and the semi truck is the stagecoach, and it was based. Partly oh my on, god! Stagecoach right? is the movie that that had the scene where the guy went under the yes under the coach, Canut, yes. which was given tribute in Raiders of the Lost Ark when Indy goes under and the car went under. That's right. The the truck in the movie. Right. Holy shit. It's all that connected. That is some amazing it's extended symmetry. universe confirmed. That is why that is why as I said yeah, that, I know it's the same world, right? But that's why I said, dude, I, I do believe I think Rob Cohen is a solid fucking action director. Absolutely. That's amazing. Okay. And so they also, once they get into the cab, uh, he shoots the driver who's trying to fend him off with a Louisville slugger with a tranquilizer and just dumps him it's in like the floorboard. It's like a space age tranquilizer, too. It, it looks is. like Spider-Man, like, like web fluid. <laughs> it kind of sticks to the guy. And then yeah. the, you could tell Anthony it's still a stuntman. <laughs> 
because he's not a very good actor, even though all he has to do is like swing this bat. He's like overacting, like because he's got one last. This bat. He's got enough effort for one last. He gets swing. hit in the arm with yeah. this like spider webby goo, and then he's like, you do see the moment where he's like, I'm passing out now, and he slumps <laughs> yeah. over. By the way, before this happens, mm-hmm. they do go through the obligatory construction work. No, that this is, is in after. every. This is okay. Right after. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's because my question, every action sequence with cars has to have a scene where, like, either an old woman is going across yeah. the street with, like, her cans in a, in a, in a basket, or there's a woman with a baby, yeah. or there's guys with glass who go, ay, 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 or yeah. construction workers. And you always hear him in the background going, look out. Yeah. Right. Everybody get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, some kind of ravine that they got to jump over. Like, do you guys, Western. do you guys think that, that construction companies have a specific guy? Who has to look out just for races? Like he's just like if he's if anything, guy with if there's if there's sign. a hijacking that's happening, I am keeping my eye out. Right. He's like a lookout for it. So it's like guys, there's a race coming. Everybody get out of the way because no one ever gets killed in these either. It, it, they go through, they cause untold amounts of damage, and yet no one's ever hurt because that spotter is doing his job. He has well, earned good. his thirty five dollars an hour. <laughs> in that in that company. Okay, well, sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was wondering is because they, they tranquilize the driver, dump him in the floorboard, and then right. just keep driving. And that thing probably At what wrecks. point do they get rid... What, what happens to is the driver? Is he dead? Yeah, did they Do kill they him? have kidnapping charges now added to their crimes? I don't what know. What did happen to the driver? I don't think that we was, find out later in the movie. No, no he's just... Because he's gone. just a no one in the grand scheme of things. Anthony, spoiler. That was my you'll, one You'll question. never see the driver again. Maybe, I'm okay dude, with that. Because that would, that would not only make Dominic Toretto and his crew uh, thieves, but it's also felons. murderers. Yeah, that's, well, I imagine that's they, getting they into like some somewhere. crazy territory. Right. Well, I would assume since they don't kill him outright, that, they, that the intent was the stun, obviously. So let's, let's hope well, that Dominic not is not a murderer. terrible people. I mean, like, we don't know this yet. They have good hearts. Yes. They have good hearts, but, but this it's is all bad, about respect. Bad careers. Right. Like, we, can, exactly. we can say that this was Dom and his crew yeah. committing this heist. Spoiler kind of figured Anthony. that out. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you've seen movies before. Yes. Okay, so it's the no, next one. No, never. <laughs> By the way, never. and that is, that is a really exceptionally well shot and edited opening action sequence. Totally. It's tight. I mean, it's very simple. And... Uh, you know, it's believable, you know, for the most. I mean, as ludicrous as it is, they make it in such a way that it's like I can buy it. Yeah, I, I, I once mean, tried to jump from one car to another, going about twelve miles an hour, and it mm-hmm. didn't work so well. So, I, if you can really do that in real life and pull off a heist, you've got my respect. Totally. Yeah. Okay. I was not seriously injured. For those <laughs> of you at home who care, it's the next. These guys morning. did not because you guys didn't give a shit that I jumped and fell from a car. No, I was going impressed. Miles an hour, but what? you're here. I healthy, totally, so. I totally thought it was going to be easy because the doors were open. And I was like, "It's three feet," and then I was on the ground and like had a cut head. And Ouch. you guys could give two shits. So. In, Let's in the move spirit on. of of the Fast and the Furious franchise, cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it ties in. Well, we're, you son of a bitch. We've got another main character introduced. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's the next morning, and uh, some blonde guy, uh, Brian He's O'Connor, the, of course. He is the blonde Keanu Reeves, he as I'm the off to point out. I, yeah, I made that same observation. Yeah, it, it is very... He, yeah. he was... Do you, Okay, I have to ask, even though we're just introducing this character, mm-hmm. he is a major character in the franchise. Do you think, had Paul Walker lived... This is not me trying to be funny, but had Paul Walker lived, do you think he would have enjoyed more of a career like... Like a Keanu Reeves, where he's doing movies like John Wick and things like that. I Do think you think he, he had a career outside of the Fast and the Furious probably franchise? Probably no. Well, he was so tied into that franchise, though. I mean, like, he has 
he would have had you know eight, nine, and ten. He would have been locked into projects for I imagine at least the next four or five years. And I don't know what he's done outside of the Fast there, and Furious movies. Okay, so there's a movie I'm looking up right now on uh, Pleasantville, obviously. Oh he, yeah, yeah, classic. I can't remember the name of this damn Tammy and the T Rex. It was incredible. Uh, while we're talking, I will look it up. And then, uh, but yeah, so we're introduced to well, we don't know Brian Earl Spilner. Brian Earl Spilner for now, and he is uh, in a souped-up green Toyota with his Chuck Taylors and Arizona license plates, doing some sort of speed test at the Dodger Stadium parking lot. Uh, I don't know what significance he that was has. driving furiously. He was and, and yeah. very fast. fast, and very fast. And That's going to happen a lot in this series, Anthony. Be ready with okay. with a lot of terrible rock techno playing. Um, and then uh, he finishes, and he and he kind of spins out, and I, and uh, he's he's upset with right. the results of these of this test. I don't entirely know why yet, but he's uh, he's got it's a not fast with and, it. and it's, it's not fast not enough, furious enough, yeah. Because we don't know what his goal how many, is. How many times are you going to say that now during the, the span <laughs> of this entire series? He's going to take this a is, drink. This is the point where <laughs> half of the fans of the of the movies are like, "Fuck this," and turn it off. <laughs> the other half are going to stick around and enjoy the ride. And, and we pun do intended. Um, Mad respect to them. You you also something that is interesting. He is in Dodger Stadium. It's not like everybody has access to Dodger Stadium, right? True. So, I guess so. so you think so he's you, got special access? You have there. to. You have to. You have to think. Who is this guy that he's able to like race a car in Dodger Stadium with, with Arizona with the acquiescence? License. Yeah, with the acquiescence of the people who run that stadium. Because I I'm mean, sure, Tommy Lasorda had to sign off on this. Right. Right. <laughs> right. He just flashes his badge. P- official police business. I'm going to do donuts in the parking hey, lot. Hey, wait a minute. How did you know he's a cop if you haven't <laughs> seen the series, Anthony? I watched the trailer, Somebody dude. did his research. And by the way, the movie that he was incredible in that was not a Fast and the Furious movie is called Running Scared. It's an amazing, amazing. If you guys it came out right before he died, I think. Yes. If you, well, it was about, about I'm s- thinking of Brick Mansions. Running Scared. No, yeah. Brick Mansions was his last movie, okay. which wasn't too bad, but it's, it, it wasn't worthy of being his final movie. But mm-hmm. Running Scared is a crime film. Very underrated movie. I highly recommend watching. He's incredible in it. Okay. If you're fans of, of, of The Fast and the Furious and Paul Walker, that is definitely one of the movies you should watch. You probably already seen it if you're. I have Paul not, Walker but fan. I'll put I'll put it in the but, list. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. Okay, so so, so he's he drives off uh, from the the parking lot. Uh, this music that's not Crazy Town, but sounds exactly like Crazy Town, <laughs> starts playing. Slow it down is. out there, pal. If you yeah. guys heard that, somebody just screeched by as if <laughs> that was kind of appropriate. I know. You know to be honest, by, by the way, I don't think they're going to hear it. But no, yeah. So <laughs> I'll somebody screeched their tires. Yeah. So um, one of the weird things about this first film that thankfully doesn't really, well, I guess it kind of does, but it's not as bad. The music is pretty horrible in this movie. It's very. You get the 90s, sense that yeah. the marketing people like forced Rob Cohen to put. Because sometimes in each scene, there's like four freaking songs. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah. yeah, like they keep cutting into other, other songs. Um, so next we see Brian driving a red auto parts truck up to some mom and pop sandwich shop called Toretto's. Dun, so dun. he's in an auto parts car, which is not his green Toyota. So that's different. Uh, and he flirts with the waitress there. Mia. By ordering a tuna sandwich. And we find out that he's been there every day for the past three weeks ordering this tuna sandwich with no crust, by the way. What's that about? Brian orders his he's, sandwich. Because at no heart, crust. he's still a boy. I guess so. He's, he's, he's a man who is still a boy inside. And throughout the, the journey of this film, he, he will become a, a man. Crust. 
He will he become a man. In what crust. movie does he order the sandwich finally with crust? I know, right? That's what we really <laughs> it's a, needed. It's his final scene <laughs> in the final film where he's Mia. like, I'll be taking that crust now. I want a tuna sandwich. Cue I have now sorry. become he's a man. <laughs> so Mia, by the way, played by the ungodly, beautiful Jordana Brewster. That's right. Uh, who uh, also played a young Mrs. Smith in the Mr. and Mrs. Smith pilot. That oh. came out several years after the movie and did not do well at all. It was a I TV series. I've never heard of it. She was the young Mrs. Smith. But uh, the beautiful Jordana Brewster, yes. It was great. She's flirting with him instantly. You could tell they got a Well, they've been doing this there. for three weeks. I mean, yeah. this has been going on for, for some time now. She's got to suspect that he's there for her and maybe not the sandwich because well, she warns like, him though, the tuna's bad. Is he's co- like, I'll have the tuna anyway. Right. Yeah. So, but see, that's what's so great about this scene. And I, and I, I think there's a lot to talk about in this whole scene uh, because – as, as we know, he is an undercover cop, so he needs a reason to be there, which is his undercover position at the auto parts store. Correct. But now he needs a reason to be there every day, which is Mia. Yes. So it's not, I mean, it is unusual. Oh, so that, his flirtation with her at first is, is, is purely, strictly job? business. Exactly. Ulterior motives. Dun, yes. dun, dun. But as we know, ulterior motives sometimes lead to love. That's right. Next week on The Love. Spoiler, Club. asshole. And so while all this flirtation is going on, some bald meathead is in the back giving Brian the stink eye. Of course, this is Dom, played by the indefatigable. <laughs> I love your use of indefatigable. Indefatigable, indefatigable, ingatifatable. Yeah. However that's pronounced. You said it correctly, and I can't pronounce it. I think it's indefatigable, like you said. Yes, he is, he is unable to be It's Vin fucking Diesel, guys. Yeah. And I think the man Vin Diesel who has charisma to spare in this and movie and apparently had to be talked into taking this part, which is interesting, uh, even though it was a lead role. Wasn't it his second? But didn't he do? He did a few movies, but I mean, this was right after I think he'd really only done uh, Saving Private Ryan at this point, right? I mean, as far as big mainstream. Yeah, stuff. but I mean, who turns down the lead in a movie when you like need a career? Who turns down a sequel to a, a hit film? But we'll get to that. That's true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, any thoughts so far, Anthony? On Mia, the introduction of Dom, do you notice anything? Uh, well, it, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, this, these, I, this first 15 minutes is going to be hard for me to talk about because not a lot happens. You don't I have mean, any yeah. Inf- yeah, but a lot has happened. If See, you, if you, you, you guys say that you yes. guys say like all these things are, are setting up. They've future actually movies and stuff set like that. up yeah. most of the relationships for all of the films that are coming forward in just in that first scene. few minutes. Yeah, this scene. That's why this scene is so interesting because so uh, they're about to bond over car parts when some sweet sound and engines pull up and they turn around and a series of colorful sports cars park themselves in front of the shop. All in rain. But they're rainbow they're colored, rainbow which colors. shows that they're LGBT friendly <laughs> that early in the in in the movie franchise. Well, at least for the next couple minutes, and then they're not so LGBT. That is friendly. true. That's true. Uh, and each, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> each car looks like it was uh, painted by uh, whoever does the Judas Priest album covers. <laughs> <laughs> each Wonderful. one looks like Woo. screaming for vengeance. I, I swear. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious. So three bro dudes and one girl hop out. And I couldn't help but notice Letty's wearing what looks like Griff's shoes from Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> right. Sort of fire They're, flame. They have like dragon teeth. They actually kind of look like Gene Simmons boots, too, A from, little bit. Uh, from Kiss. They are like yeah. dragon. They have dragon teeth on them. And they're obviously elevator shoes to hide the fact that she's like four foot eight. Oh, right. she's tiny. But she looks really yeah. tall in the movie. And I just have a. Okay, I'm the only one of the three of us who apparently has like a mega crush on. 
on Rodriguez. She does nothing. Oh, no, boy. no movement in the nether just regions the snar- at all. Oh, that well, that snarling approach that she I has. I had to when watch her through Lost. So my that was my yeah. first exposure yeah. oh, to her. God, yeah. that was that. Was, the Fast and the Furious movies is where we grew to love her, and the Lost series is where we grew to hate her. <laughs> and I see, I hadn't seen the Fast and Furious at that point. Okay, and I'm going to miss or, or at least slur Furious. I think throughout this. That's uh, okay. Podcast. You're so drunk. Just, That's okay. I, we, we've I been drinking all day. <laughs> Just and water. The, the flast and the furious. So they, it's a the, movie about furries. The people, the dudes. <laughs> racing that. cars. The bro dudes all start getting out and talking car talk and fussing over the engine. And so so these, these car dudes, by the way, are Vince, played by Matt Scholes, and he's, Leon. He's the one that's, yeah, he comes out. He's, 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 the, he's the brash asshole. Yeah. There's uh, Leon, played by uh, Johnny Strong, which should have been his character in the movie. It really should have. But that's his real name. And then Chad Lindbergh plays a guy named Jesse, who is like... Basically, I think it's the same guy from the Matrix movies who's like the dork who's like, I programmed a redhead. And he has the same exact job in this movie, which is programming their cars. That's right. Like that was his niche from 1999 to 2003. He was the tech guy who programmed shit for the the Keanu Reeves type leaders. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. It's all tied together. It really is. It's all a simulation in real life, you guys. Matrix connection confirmed. Done. So, uh, yes, but then Vince notices the red pickup truck, which he already recognizes as this asshole Brian who's coming to flirt with Mia. So the group goes inside. They, they clearly all know Mia. And uh, Letty asks Dom if he wants a drink, which is interesting to me because her interaction here with Dom seems to be completely different than her interaction with him throughout the later uh, the rest of the movie. It's very puppy doggish here. Well, as you, as you said, though, I, I did not realize this. Apparently they beefed up her her role yeah. as the movie went. So they had one idea for her at the beginning, and then it obviously evolved exactly. Into something so else they developed this love the movie goes try or not love triangle, but uh, love interest with with Dom. And so this this first scene, it almost feels like she's kind of trying to like she's the little puppy dog that's chasing him around. Hey, like, you do wanna, you want a drink? And you want some like, cold to drink? drink? Yeah, and he holds up his drink. drink. He doesn't even turn to look doesn't at her. Even look he just at holds her. his drink up like I already got something. I'm covered. Yeah. Which is totally boss. It is. That's that's Vin in a nutshell. That's Vin for you. That's right. Uh, meanwhile, Vince starts to stare down Brian. He pushes the sugar bowl over towards him, all aggressive like, and uh, just you know, mad dogging him. I don't know. They never come out and say that Vince and Mia are exes. I don't know that they or have even actually possibly dated. together at the moment. But I don't know. Because there's, it, it, there's the weird implication something is there, but we don't know what it is. But to me, it, it also could read as Vince having this these feelings for her that aren't necessarily requited. True. But That's we don't true. really know. He does make that really creepy comment where she he Mia says something says, to her. You, Mia says, uh, can I get you anything? And he goes, you look pretty good. <laughs> total total, total terrible creep. pickup total line. Creep. That is like the worst pickup line in the history of pickup lines, which probably makes you assume that they have not been together especially since his best friend is her brother you know so that's another layer yes it turns out that dom dominic toretto is mia's brother oh yes and protector yes which is all spoiler well i'll be i already knew that see anthony's no no you're ahead you've done your research yeah a little bit let's see um so Leon and Jesse uh, are kind of watching this go on, which I think is great. They have these little lines like, uh, like his haircut, you know, in re- reference to Brian. And, right, uh, he's right. a good looking fella. And so I just, he's I love boy. them kind of watching. Who Paul Newman asshole over here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so they're just kind of egging Vince on. Uh, 
which I don't think they're doing it maliciously towards Brian. They just like seeing this happen. Yeah. You know, Vince losing his shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of course, (coughs) excuse me. Brian decides at this point it's a good time to pay up and get out of there. He says he'll be back tomorrow, though, of course, and of this course. is what sets Vince off because he doesn't want this guy Vince is a down. firecracker. I'll say. He's and, a, he's and, and, and he just lit that fuse. Yes. Yeah. So just knowing that this is going to continue, uh, he's not happy with. And so uh, Vince follows him out, basically tells Brian to stay away. He uses some language here that doesn't age well. We'll just say that. Very non-LGBT friendly yes. at this point. He calls yeah. it an F word. He, he uses the F word, and I'm not talking about fuck. Right. Yeah. yeah. And But, you know, Vince it's, it's char- a word that, that, that is, is completely unnecessary and completely fucked up in the context. Calling somebody that word is pretty much grounds to get shot. It is, but I think it's also, well, it's evolved into be, having more weight to it. In yes. 2018, than perhaps it did in, in 2001, yes. which is still not. It was a simpler time, 2001. Yes, uh, and so we'd just then, begun a space odyssey. Uh, <laughs> VCRs were turning into DVD players. That's right, it was, it was a, a simpler time. There's yeah. an entire episode of South Park devoted to that word. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll well, tell you about it. We're not even going to use that word because, yeah, we're we're respectable gentlemen. We're not we're not Vince types. That's right. <laughs> And so Brian is almost to his red pickup when Vince pushes him from behind and they get into a a bro fight. Vince pushes him from behind and they get into a bro fight accompanied by more terrible music. Yeah, yeah. The music is just terrible throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, that was really my biggest problem with getting into this franchise is the music. Like, from the beginning, I was just, like, turned off from the trailer and all the Limp biscuit that was all over it. So Mia is still inside. She's watching this go down. She calls for Dom to come out and stop the fight saying that she's sick of this shit, implying that Vince likely does this sort of thing pretty often. Pretty bad for business. Yeah. I mean, the place is Toretto's, right? So you don't want fights out front. Yeah, and another thing that's bad for business, uh, calling your tuna shit. They are not promoting their tuna well at all. Something tells me that they're making their money in other ways other than spoiler alert they're they're tuna so that actually see everything ties in so that's why it doesn't matter that their food is good or bad because that's not their main source dom's over there drinking the the diet cokes without paying for them i mean they they just they do not care about the qualities of their foods or their diner in general and that i would give a low yelp review to them (laughs) totally totally low i went i stopped into this diner First of all, a girl behind the counter, she was really attractive, but she just didn't care. She told me the tuna was terrible. I ordered it. It was it was mediocre. <laughs> Plus, she cuts off the crusts. One star. And then this other guy came in and started bitching at me for talking to her. Right. Oh, boy. So She yeah. was my waitress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just ordering. <laughs> all I wanted was the shitty tuna. <laughs> <laughs> so Dom reluctantly goes outside and pulls Brian off of Vince. Brian had dropped his wallet in the scuffle, and so of Dom course, takes because the, that happens all the time in fights. Right, that just pour it just falls out of your back pocket when one you're, one does wonder if he did this on purpose, which which you will find oh, for reasons later. Uh, again, who are fans? To he's emphasize this story, yes, because backstory. because so he can look at this fake you know ID that he's got. Yeah, and I want to talk about this ID just for a second. Okay, because uh, he takes it out, and it says that his name is Brian Earl Spilner. It says that he is 23 years old. <laughs> He's easily 35 in this movie. Like, 
This is this is a case of like the Beverly Hills 90210 thing <laughs> that started in the in the 80s and uh-huh. 90s where like people who are 40 are playing high schoolers. Right. Like this person has male pattern baldness and he's supposed <laughs> to be 20. You know what I mean? He's he's clearly uh, clearly a full like grown late adult. Late 20s. I think late 20s being nice. Yeah, he's yeah. probably 30, the Paul Walker at this point, right? Yeah, that's not his natural hair. No. That's that's those are plugs that he got <laughs> 12 years ago when he was 23. The, yes. uh, by the way, mm-hmm. just before you get into the, like this moment, this meeting of Dom and Brian, that's, the that's, bromance begins. Like there is, there's obviously this like heterosexual love triangle that starts to happen, you know, between and Mia and you know, this is the moment. This is the, the, the moment that, that launched a franchise guys. The bromance begins right here. Looking at the Arizona driver's license for Brian Earl Spilner, who is also six foot two. And uh, the ID expired in 2000. So my question oh, is... so he, they, they set up that he's a criminal so exactly. that when Dom looks at it, he's like, this motherfucker's driving on Without an expired license. license. Because this movie he's came a out badass. in 2001. Wow. So is this part of the story or was it 2000 when they filmed the... I would say it's probably 2000. That's 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 a detail that probably they just didn't think people. They didn't know we were going to have DVD players. They didn't back know we were going to stop and pause. And we could the movie. stop it and have high def and read the ID. <laughs> it was just a few seconds. So young young 23 year old Brian Spilner uh, tells Dom that he's been. Dom knows that he, Brian has been working at this auto parts store. This guy named Harry runs the auto shop, and Dom implies that he is going to use his street cred to get Brian fired from the auto shop over this incident. Yes. Which is kind of a douchey thing to do. I don't know. Maybe Considering it's just... that he didn't start the fight. Exactly. That it was his buddy Vince. And by the way, I do want to point something out before we go yeah. further. There is a very important character moment for Dom where Vince will not stop like punching Brian and Dom physically pushes him back and says, you embarrass me. I love that line. And that's that. So so Dominic Toretto's will find out throughout this movie and then throughout the rest of the series. Honor is everything to this man. He may be a criminal, but he's basically he's got kind of that bogey aspect right. of, of of his character where he's kind of like the, the solemn badass. But he has his own code. He has like it's not a bro code. It's it's like a man code that he he's has that he adheres reasons. to. Yeah, he has his nobility, and and that that's that first glimpse of this character you're going to get throughout the entire series right. is where he says, "You embarrass me." The implication is like, "I have a code. You're going against it. You're also going to be." Because he a knows that here. this is unnecessary. Vince is just hot dogging to show off for Mia and to be a hothead in front of Brian. It's it's unnecessary and it's drawing unnecessary attention to their little shop. Yes, and so maybe that's why he now everybody's all the hipsters are going to come to get the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna blow their fucking cover. Yep, yep. You got to be careful. And Look at I these kids with their handlebar mustaches coming in here and ordering the shitty tuna and their scarves. It's Half eighty of these degrees kids are outside. Are you a fed? <laughs> no, bro. I just want to get the one. shitty tuna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brilliant. And and this the 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 food the market side of Toretto's is never mentioned again. By the way. Like this, this in any never of comes the films, back. you never see again. <laughs> I mean, like obviously they got their little garage and stuff, but they like probably the, went out of business because store. Brian did post a Yelp review <laughs> about how how unhappy he was with the with the service. Yeah. One no, of these bros the totally service. like punched me with the food. and started a fight and got me fired from my job. One star. <laughs> if I could give less, I would. <laughs> I can, can say I I, I'm no critic, but the service here was terrible. I'd I'd go for Mia, 
not for Vince. Sure. One star. Okay. Ooh, what on earth was Our that? DVD just turned off. Or Blu-ray just turned off. All right. Uh, so I just thought that uh, this entire scene is a really good example of how to set up a, uh, an ensemble cat like story pretty well i mean like you know every character has like their sort of personality traits you know exactly where dom is coming from and uh you don't know everything about brian but i mean you get a good idea of what his character is here you know he's a little bit of a hothead yeah but i mean he controls it a lot better than vince because he's there to do a job yeah, you know? yeah. he's there to do a job I, th- I mean i think it's safe to say he's developing feelings for mia even though at this point it's kind of in question yeah. you know but uh, everything, I think, is really kind of set up in this scene. It's also very interesting because when we first see Brian, he is testing his car for what you are going to find out. He's, he's testing his racing ability, his ability to make quick turns, you know, to yep. be able to spin and things like that, which obviously helps him, is going to help him infiltrate this, this gang of car thieves right. who are also illegal street racers. Yes. So, like, seriously... As far as, like, you always learn in screenwriting classes and stuff, everything should be in the first 10 minutes of your movie. The setup should be in there. Mm-hmm. All of the characters are really well-defined in that first 15 minutes. We haven't even gotten to the scene where they're going to they're gonna actually have the big race, That's which right. is crazy. That's right. And so at this point, uh, Brian returns to the auto shop, the racer's edge. Um, and great, the great. Whoever name. thought of that? Good great name. racers edge. Done for the day after you come up with that. Yeah, name. exactly. Right. David David Ayers. That was his entire <laughs> co- contribution to the script. You're welcome. It's called Ra- Racers Edge. I'm going to go right training day. I got one. Yep. What is it? Occam's Racer. Oh, God. not bad. No, there should be a racer named Occam, and his car is Occam's Racer. He's going to be the Horrible bad guy guys. in Fast and the Furious Nine. Well, I was going to say oh, that. Sure. That it's sounds sure. like somebody that would be in Speed Racer, actually. <laughs> oh no! Look out, Speed! It's Occam at his Razor. <laughs> you know, you'll never catch me, Speed. Uh, so back at the Racer's Edge, the owner Harry is on the phone with Dom. He's clearly trying to calm him down. And uh, he is way stressed. He's like super this actor stressed. is like his <laughs> yeah. direction was like, you have to play this as if your life depends on this phone call. Totally. Which I mean, I guess it does. But yeah, he's like freaking out. I mean, we're talking like slamming his hands through his head, running his fingers through his hair yes. furiously. Like, like it's but like you he's know about what? to tear I mean, his hair so out. Much Brian, sweat. There's Brian a lot of must sweat. be. There is a lot of sweat in the first 15 minutes. Of, it's because oh, the man super movie, sweaty. Yeah. Men sweat, Anthony. That's what we do, man. But this I'm sweating whole scene right now is uh, we all are because yeah, even though it's a dialogue scene, the actor is, is doing a lot of movement, the camera is doing a lot of movement, and so like there's still all this movement over what is essentially a dialogue scene, right? And so I think like that could have been very boring in a lesser director's hands. But so the reason Harry is freaking out is because Dom is you know the the Ferris Bueller of street racers. Everybody loves Dom. He's a great right. street racer, and anything Toretto, he buys Toretto. Toretto? Toretto. He's doing Has the Ferris Bueller seen bit. Toretto. Oh. <laughs> Toretto. He's racing. Toretto. I didn't get your Ben Stein Sorry. impression. My, my that, that's bad. because it was a really bad Ben Stein. <laughs> uh, so he does. He, Harry wants to keep Dom happy because Dom buys his shit. Every, all the kids that follow him buy Harry's shit. Yeah, he buys something from Harry. Everybody comes in exactly. Harry's for it. So he doesn't need Brian. He's the Zach Morris of racing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And even though we don't know what Brian's role is necessarily we know that this is not good for harry yeah well dom has called and said i want you to fire this kid and harry was like good help is hard to find (laughs) like he had so we know 
from this, again, a great implication of the script that Harry, Harry should have fired this guy according to like, because Toretto obviously has something over this sure. guy or, or maybe is even the owner of the company or something, secret owner. But like the guy's like refuses to fire him, which means he's probably got him there under duress. Right. Or there's a reason why Brian is working at this place. Right. And yeah. there clearly is, but it's not explicitly stated yet why he, Harry is willing to risk his relationship with Dom right. to keep Brian around. Right. And Brian at that point, for no reason that we're quite aware of yet, needs some Nas. He needs Nas by tonight, and he needs two of them. And, by the way, in this scene, for those of you who are going to go back and watch this as we, as we do the 15-minute increments, <laughs> there is a literal sign for Nas about every two and a half feet in this entire scene from the moment. The tracking shot is like Brian running into the store. It's like as he's walking, you're like, Nas, Nas, Nas in the foreground, Nas, Nas in the background, posters, Nas, Nas, canisters. Nas canisters. They go into the back office. There's a big Nas poster on the wall. You can't, I'm you can't starting to believe the that they got sponsorship from Nas. That's not a bad theory. Nas a bad theory. Oh, <laughs> oh my yes, God. Yes, that's right. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, and so uh, Harry implies that uh, Harry says amateurs don't use nitrous oxide. Is that true? I no. would assume that was common knowledge. Or did, what does he say? Amateurs don't or professionals? No, he says amateurs don't use nitrous oxide. And so okay. implying that by using nitrous oxide, Brian would be giving away that he has experience as a driver. Oh, it's how I took interesting. It. It's in a movie. It must be true. That's also a good point. That's that's true. We should. Well, there there is something that's very interesting about the Nas because that is pointed out in the next scene, which we'll get to, and I'll I'll bring that up when we okay. get there. But so he needs the Nas, and Harry is uh, going to supply it. And that night, uh, there's another great tra- transition. To, yeah, day to night transition scene here. Uh, where They're it's just in the a big warehouse, warehouse district, yeah, yeah, of of L.A., which, as everybody knows, uh, nowadays is a big homeless area. Mm. They would not be able to race That's right. in 2018. They'd be killing hundreds of homeless people as they drove down the street. But in 2001, it was a no man's land. That's right. The Wild There's West. no one in say. the streets. Yeah. And we see this beautiful transition as the day turns to night and this massive shadow falls over the uh the warehouses and cars come into the shot, which is really interesting. Yes. Hard to do with a transition shot, and but I yet they did it. I should mention uh, the reason why he was upset at the Dodger Stadium is because he his car topped out at 140, and that's why he needs the Nas to surpass 140. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So I guess, like, you know, he's planning on going to this race. He needs the Nas to ensure that he wins. And that is why we see him doing that test run. So now we realize that, that it was his big test run before part going out. Part of his out. plan. Yeah, part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Yes, he's he's good at planning this, Brian. Uh, and so we go to this car show or whatever they're called, race street car it's, race. It's an illegal street an race. An illegal is what's street going race. On. So as far as I can tell, and I know nothing about this culture, I did I did run into a couple of people back in the day when I saw Tokyo Drift at the theater. <laughs> I did speak to a couple of illegal street racers that were at the screening. And basically, like what happens is none of it is advertised, so the cops can't find out about it. It's all word of mouth. So people will like write to each other, like text each other, like cryptic messages, and then they figure out, you know, the cross streets of where this thing's going to be and what time. It's usually like midnight, right. and then everybody shows up there, 
and they do this really fast race. It usually is in about three or four minutes. They do the race. The cops show up. It's about a they quarter get mile. The hell out of there. About a quarter mile at a time. But so these illegal street races are like they're they're sort of like they're highly planned, mm-hmm. but they're also like. They're all ready at a moment's notice to like hop in their cars and peel out. Mm-hmm. So when the cops come, hardly anybody gets arrested, which it's, is interesting. It's somehow both highly organized and not organized at all. Correct. I mean, like it's yeah, they're improvising, but but there's a structure mm-hmm. that they're following so that they know how to get from A to B safely. You know, so right. they have they have escape routes planned and things like that in case the cops come. They know where the cops might block off the roads and things like that so i think they typically have like police scanners and they know like oh there's some big robbery there's some case that a lot of cops are at now and so they kind of have a freer range of that area yeah um have you ever been in any street races anthony uh no okay no not all just checking you told me you were a professional uh well, I'm a professional at other things. Just not oh. street racing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's safe to say that the three of us are total idiots I when it comes to street racing, but that's cool because like... But we do know movies. That's yes. right. We do know movies. And that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah. We're going to piss off the car fans, oh, please but not the movie don't, Please fans. don't go away, car fans. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so me. Brian shows up in his neon green Toyota and is politely led into one of the few uh, open spots. Everyone starts opening their hoods and showing off their engines. Um, and when and when they get there, when Brian gets there, a generic rap song is playing. When he opens the car door, Limp Biscuit is playing. <laughs> and then when he's standing by his car, it's the Ja Rule Fast and Furious song playing. So there are three different songs in about a 15-second period. This there. drove oh, yeah. me insane. It was crazy. Oh, my God. Dude, they're all listening to different music as he walks through I the various groups. But there is something else that's very interesting that's set up in this movie that they that they ape in all of the other films up until they get into the spy stuff and they're no longer doing the illegal street races is they they do a really good job of setting up the different factions that are there yes you see like the asian street crew you see like the latino street crew you see you know the different factions and stuff like that and there is a character that we're introduced to anthony spoiler hector mm-hmm. is featured later in the series mm-hmm. he is uh related to letty i believe if i if i remember correctly you don't. The, the I don't remember correctly. Well, there I go. But, I'll just be. Is. I'll see myself out, even though we're recording in my apartment. Good day. <laughs> he but shows he, up in the eighth one, does. right? Well, or, I, I know he shows, shows up in, in like the seventh one. Okay, okay. yeah. And uh, but that that is a plot point. We'll we'll say yes. Okay, but he does return, which is interesting. Yeah, and I and yeah. I like that sort of thing. And and what's yeah. interesting here too is that they do have all these factions, and everyone is getting along because it's you know it's. Crips, it's Cholos, and everyone's just there to see who has the coolest car, see who has the fastest car. And I think that's interesting in that all these kind of gang-type guys are just getting along yeah. talking about cars. Yeah. Who would have thought that a movie about illegal street racing could bring about world peace? I know, right? See, it's a very forward-thinking We film. can all just get along, folks. If we were illegal street racers. That's right. Then love would be legal and... So uh, Brian, Brian is standing next to his car, completely out of his element, and uh, the friendly Cholo Hector uh, approaches him. And well, at first you think he's going to bust his balls because he's like, let me go up and like right, test this motherfucker. Right. And you're like, oh, man, there's going to be another fight. And then he's like, yo, what you got under the hood, homie? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of totally bond nice. over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, uh, what, do you, what do you got under there? And he's like, oh, no. He's like, oh, you're going to make me find out the hard way. 
and Brian's which like, is an excuse for the car porn where they pop the trunk and everybody right. in the audience and goes by the way, oh shit when they're like <laughs> people who are in the cars and exactly. I, I'm like oh there's an engine under there like everybody else has he's got one of those has. he's got one right. of these oh and, is that a is that <laughs> is that a carburetor well, in fact well and we'll get there but uh, at this point um, Ja Rule who plays a character who speaks in third person shows up. But isn't it weird? Didn't you just say Ja Rule has a song in the movie? He did. Are they listening to a Ja Rule song? Is yes. he supposed to be himself in this movie? No, he's Edward. What is happening? I think that that's so, some fourth wall breaking Ja shit. Rule is playing someone else, even though his own song is, is playing literally in the playing scene. when his character is introduced. Whoa. I that's think it is. We shit. are getting some Matrix shit going on here. <laughs> the simulation is breaking down slowly, but surely. So Edwin and Hector are checking out Brian's car uh, when Dom's guys finally show up. Wait, dude, you gotta come on. We gotta we gotta talk about one of the best early shitty lines in the movie. Which one? Where where Ja Rule says to him, "Yo, is that your car?" And and Brian says, "I'm standing by it." And Ja Rule says, "It's not how you stand by your car; it's how you race it." That makes no fucking sense. <laughs> It makes no Total fucking sense. sense. He's totally posturing, and you he's can't like, pose. he's like, you can you posture, put bro. It up exactly. You can stand next to your car like you're a badass, but can you drive? That's that's the question. Important. Okay, when I'm standing by my Honda CRV, what does that say about me? <laughs> it says it that you own that you own a Honda CRV, <laughs> and that you're ready to throw down an illegal street race, Anthony. And you put ten thousand dollars worth of equipment under the hood, so you know you're. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So Brian says he's waiting for Dom. They finally show up in their fancy, and dr- overly dramatic again in their yes. multicolored LGBT friendly the cars. Cool crew. Right, everyone's waiting for them. Now, something else we have to point out, which yeah. is very interesting, that I noticed: Brian's car is is a lime green automobile. By the way, they make that little joke when he's looking through the magazine. It says "In the Limelight." Like he's looking at a car that's exactly that. like oh his God. own car. No, that's true. That is a little little in joke thing. So he has the car, I think, that's in the magazine, but it I'll is. have to go back. Yeah, so so that's kind of cool. But he pulls up, and he's got neon green lights under his car. He's the only person, because they have this, it's a it's, in a, it's a bird's eye shot looking down like a crane shot mm-hmm. of him pulling in. No one else's car is decked out like, like his. So his stands, stands out because it's brightly colored. It's got this, like, colored undercarriage to it, right? And then, and then when Dom's out. people show up, they all red, white, blue, yellow, yellow yeah. and they all have underlit carriages, and so... As a filmmaker, we, you know, the yeah. filmmaker has basically pointed out these people are special. They're separate. He ties them together. And, and it creates a bond between he and Dom's crew, even if it's subliminal. But it also totally. shows us as the viewer that we're supposed to pay attention to these people, that they are, that they're alike, which is kind of interesting. It's, it's just sure. really good visual storytelling. Okay. There's a lot of good visuals in this whole movie. I mean, yeah. It's really kind of fascinating when you go back and watch them. These yeah. things that kind of tie in. Um, and so uh, Dom shows up. Guys are shaking his hand. The girls are flirting with him. Dom asks Letty one of the, gets a little pissy. Yeah. Well, he asks one of the girls if she's been doing yoga. Right. And that sets her off. Letty has a really bad line where she's like, I smell skanks. But see, this Terrible is completely line. different from the way that their dynamic was portrayed earlier when she's introduced and she's like, oh, Dom, you need something to drink? Here she's like, what are you doing, Dom? Talking yeah. to these skanks? And he's like, I'm just talking to people. And she's I was like, just talking to him. We're going to talk about this later. Yeah. yeah. And so like, it I'll, turns- I'll, I'll, I'll slap you around later, you <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> you like that shit. Yeah. She's totally like kind of 
the dominant she's one. She's super jealous all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Which she just doesn't have that kind of uh, Maybe the fight, the fight earlier that day kind of like turned her on or something. She got a little aggressive. Be. You know Maybe what I mean? Maybe it was the. She realized she needed to fight like like Brian was fighting for Mia. She needs to fight for Dom. That's right. Because every, he's, he's the. I'm just making that up. It's just, ball. it's probably just multiple writers <laughs> having no idea what they're going to do with the character. Oh, we, we got a female uh, character here. We got to do something other than just have Is her show up. Tough? Tender? Hot? All three. Oh, damn you, Ayer. <laughs> damn you. That's why you make the big bucks. <laughs> so the girl, she chases the girls off, calls them skanks. And uh, Dom is apparently here. Yes, Vito? No, no. Okay. I, was just, I was just listening. Oh, Sorry. Okay. That's fine. Uh, so Dom is apparently here to uh, race Edwin, the Ja Rule character, and uh, one of the Asian fellas. Because uh, he goes up and says it's a $2,000 buy-in. Uh, winner takes all the cash. But now Brian wants in, too. And he doesn't have the money, but he's got a pink slip for his car. Right. So he's putting his car up essentially as collateral. Which is a classic car race movie Trope. You know, thing. Hey, yeah. you got your pink slip there, buddy? Totally. Yeah. Got your pink slip. He can't afford to buy in, but he's got his car. Which is weird because they always tell you not to carry your pink slip around with your car in case it gets you know stolen. That makes yet, sense. Yet these people are always carrying him around for the race. Maybe it's in his back pocket. That's true. That's true. It might not physically be... With his registration. With the registration. And his expired license. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so Dom is the third person to ask if this is Brian's car and if he can look under the hood, which he does. And, and of Jesse, course, Matrix guy. Yeah. Jesse comes up and he's like, hey, you got one of these, one of those, one of those things. So he has specifically, he's got a cold air intake. Uh-huh. He's got a NOS fogger system. He's got a standalone fuel management system, which <laughs> apparently costs $10,000. Mm-hmm. He's got a T4 turbo. Mm-hmm. And there was something else that I didn't write down fast enough because I was typing in my notes on my iPad while I was watching it, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't get the last thing. But no wonder why he doesn't have two grand. No, it all went into yeah, that exactly. fucking truck. He spent all of it into the thing. So all of these things, for those of you car heads out there, and I'm sure we'll hear from you if I screw it up, but almost all of those uh, have to do with the fuel system to give better delivery usage of fuel and boost so this so is all accurate those, stuff yeah so well supposedly i mean i don't know i looked it up i, I looked each of these up and 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 kind of took some notes so the cold air intake is uh it allows the engine to breathe so it moves the air filter outside of the engine so that cooler air can be sucked into the engine for combustion and then a nos fogger system uh provides combustion distribution and adjustability and then a standalone fuel management system controls the fuel delivery rev protection boost protection and ignition timing so basically all of it improves the use of of speed and and the fuel use yeah all of that stuff is basically to make you as fast as possible for your race so that apparently for those of us who are not car people and for those of you who are impresses the shit out of Dom because he's oh, like yeah. your standalone fuel management system had to have been a cool 10 G's <laughs> yeah and and, uh, and he's like uh, so am I worthy Brian's like am I worthy he's like I don't know yet but you're in the race that's right so he's allowed to race because of his fancy schmancy green Toyota and of course this is almost at exactly the 15 where he's, he's basically like everybody roll Autobots roll out and they all <laughs> they all get it ready to take off and as they drive off we hit the 15 minute mark it's almost like it they yeah it was 15 pa- like they say in script writing like every 15 pages and yeah. this was 15 15 minutes 15 on the dot guys in the first 15 minutes of this movie we freaking get 
a car hijack. We get hijacking. We get hot cars. The beginning of a of an eight movie bromance. A fist fight. Hot chicks. And we're about to get a car race. That's in the first 15 minutes of the And 20 movie. different songs on the soundtrack. That's right. 25 songs. <laughs> it's like there was this marketing guy who's like, statistics show that we have to have a song every five seconds. And the, the director's like, come on. He's like, every five seconds. And it has to be Limp Biscuit era type crazy <laughs> or, town or 90s music. rock techno. Shit. The soundtrack right. is actually four discs long. Right. Yeah, it's longer than the movie itself. <laughs> it includes an entire Limp Biscuit album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so I thought it was interesting that like, I mean, everything is set up in a nice little package in that first 15 minutes where yeah. we still haven't, it hasn't been revealed that uh, Brian is an undercover cop, but you know something is going on with him and you know what his motivation is. I mean, you know that at least he's trying to gain the respect of Dom. We think probably it's for Ma- Mia, but... Uh, by the way, I did want to point something else out. When you said the word respect, that is very important. Uh one of the common themes throughout uh, the series is that Dominic Toretto is a man who has his code of honor and, and things like that. And there is that line where somebody says something like jerky to Brian when they're about to do the race. And he says, no, but uh, what, what, what is the line where he says, no, but it, it it's uh, to respect to some people. It's more important. Yeah. And there's this moment where he says that it cuts to Dom and Dom thinks about it for a second and he realizes, oh, there's more to this kid than just this mm-hmm. blockhead who wants to race. Mm-hmm. And I think that is legit. Like the moment the bromance begins where they're where they where they have this mutual like it's a standoffish respect. But like that's the setup. That's where he goes. OK, I'm mm-hmm. about respect. This kid is about the respect. All right, let's see what he's got. Because and when that's, he puts that's... up his, his car for the race, he says, if I lose, whoever wins gets my car. If right. I win, I get the money, but I get the respect. Yeah. And, which, and to imply, I think, that that's what he's really here for. He's not really here for the money, although it's nice to right. get it. Right, right. But he's here to get the Yeah, respect. and then somebody like mocks him for that, but then he yeah. says to some people that's more important. He's, and that's, yeah, he's there for the tuna sandwiches. That's right. Right, right. He the wants to go. I wonder if Mia yeah. did pack lunch. Did you bring, did you bring, <laughs> she's like, I've got my tuna sandwiches. And everybody's like, it tastes like ass. And Brian's like, I'll have one. He's only in the race so he can win and not be pestered. Yeah, well, he right, enjoys right. his tuna yeah. I just want to go get my damn tuna sandwiches. <laughs> if I have to raise some motherfucker, I will. I love I love the fact that the guy who's crowing about respect gets the crusts cut off of his sandwiches. <laughs> it's like it's like there, that might is... not be the best way to earn somebody's re- He's eating the sandwiches in front of Dom every day. <laughs> Dom sees him eating a crustless sandwich and on flirting with his sister on white bread. And there is, by the way, a deleted scene where he goes into a bit more detail, I guess, about the no crust. Oh, interesting. Uh, why? What, okay, pray tell. Because I think why? he just says uh, that I'm a simple guy. <laughs> I wonder why that got cut. Gee, I wonder why that line. That was like David Ayer going, we can't put that in there. It's going to ruin my street We can cred. keep the no crust thing, but let's cut the explanation. Can out. you imagine if oh he'd gone on to write Training Day and like fucking <laughs> Denzel Washington's character was like, I want the sandwich without the crust. That's okay? like his director signature. Got nothing on me. Yeah. Yeah. I want a peanut butter and jelly motherfucker. Suicide Squad, Harley is like, no crust on my sandwich, please. <laughs> Yeah, very very strange choice, but I guess it sort of makes sense. But you know, this is I I gotta say, Zach, you did point out the the first fifteen minutes of the movie. There's a a total economy in storytelling, mm-hmm. which sadly 
starts to lose its way as the series progresses because the movies get longer and longer but and the chases get longer and longer. I've been doing this kind of the fifth, going through and checking the 15 minutes. I would say they follow through with this until about the fifth. Like once they start going to like two hours plus. When The Rock is in there, he's like, I don't have time for 15 minutes, guys. Right. We're doing it all the way. I don't got time to act. Yeah. He's the people's eyebrow. Damn he it. He sure is. He doesn't want to act. That's all he needs. Yeah. Just do the eyebrow thing. So we got a lot more story here for you in the upcoming episodes, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, as far as the first 15 minutes go, I'm not on board yet. I'm, I want you to be honest. I'm, I'm not yeah. ruling it out. You know, like I'm not like, you know, fuck this movie. I knew I was going to hate it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you guys are, are on a whole new level, like <laughs> totally like noticing these things because you have that knowledge of the entire series that I don't. To me, it's just like, I'm, I'm fucking bored. <laughs> like, it's the first 15 minutes of the movie, Anthony. I know. Dude, we have hundreds and hundreds of minutes left. <laughs> well, so, but you have seen Point Break. Oh, yeah. We yeah. haven't really talked about yeah. this being essentially, I don't want to say a Point Break ripoff because no, I think that's unfair. It is. No, no, no. <laughs> hang on. Yeah. It's, it, I'm glad that you brought up that point because my buddy Ben Bateman does a show called Action Movie Anatomy. They recently had director Rob Cohen on, and they talked about the Fast and the Furious, and the reason why the Fast and the Furious was made was because Point Break is Rob Cohen's favorite action movie. That makes sense. And he wanted to make... His version. His version of that movie. So he legitimately said to the screenwriters, give me Point Break, but with cars. And they so delivered. So you, your, your description was completely accurate well, and true and not... It's not a rip. It's, that's what it's I'm saying. I guess that's what I mean it. is it's not a negative necessarily. I mean, like, you can definitely make an argument for it being derivative in some ways, I guess. But, I mean, it's just using that same chassis, yes. you might say. Yeah. Uh, no, and if you really think about it, Point Break has Keanu Reeves. Paul Walker is the blonde Keanu. He and that's is my that theory character. Why that's why he's from Arizona. Just because he's oh, Johnny that, Utah. Uh, you know what? That, that so he's Brian Arizona, well. maybe? That may very well be because of the license plates and the driver's license. Those are the only Arizona. Re- well, I guess. Well, that, there is some I, that's also later. obviously to give him, you know, a backstory for his exactly. fictional that character. Does is make sense, hey, I just moved here. That's why nobody knows him in the circuit. Right. You know what I mean. So it does give him a reasonable enough backstory. I'm, I'm assuming that that, you know, Brian's people set it up with the underground community in Arizona that if Dom calls it, he goes, hey, have you heard of the Spillner guy? Oh, yeah, well, he races a lot. But that might be in the movie. I haven't... It, it, they, it does. They do go into a tad bit more detail in the second one, which you, I don't believe, have seen. I actually, yeah, it's weird because I'm a mega fan of the franchise. I've not seen the second film. Okay. Strictly, but I love John Singleton as a director, but um, somebody had told me you could just kind of skip it. But it's going to so. be interesting I don't think now so. to see it. I, I've heard it's the worst. It is, from what I've heard. Yeah. It's totally... It's it, different. Well, here's, here's exactly what happened. So, as we know, Vin or, Diesel did not want to do Fast and the Furious. He didn't right? want to do any sequels and back then, then right? Yes, the, yeah, they the offered him the sequel, and he said no. The sequel then did reasonably well, and his career didn't take off the way... I, now I've heard Because Triple X didn't. Yeah, there's there was this weird thing where I heard that he was demanding twenty million a picture, and they were like, "You haven't, you know, earned the twenty million yet." And so he's like, "Fuck it, I'm not doing the movie," and he dropped out. Could do the pacifier instead. <laughs> yeah, and so he did a couple of these other films, and when those didn't pan out well, suddenly, spoiler, he does a cameo in the third movie again. 
and which we won't get to until four six yeah we'll be (laughs) we'll be getting there a lot later but so that's that's some interesting stuff yeah uh one other funny story that rob cohen had told on the action movie anatomy podcast was that when he went to get vin diesel for the movie vin was kind of being a prima donna even though he wasn't a huge star at the moment Mm -hmm. so he improvised a story where he said look man if you're going to come on the movie I, you know, I've heard that you have a reputation for being kind of like a prima donna. And Vin was like, what? And he goes, well, I spoke to Steven Spielberg, and he told me there was a reason why they killed you first in Saving Private Ryan. And Vin Diesel got really quiet and left the room, and then he came back. He was like, I really want to do this movie. And after that, he was a sweetheart. Wow. So That's really interesting. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, But I, I to be fair, I've heard nothing but really amazing things about Vin Diesel as a person and as a guy to work with. So I don't want to make it look like we're shitting on the guy, sure. um, you know, because that's just stuff that I've heard. We were, by the way, we're all in L.A. I don't know if we established that or not. So no. we're all involved in the movie business in some way or another, which is why we love these movies and we're analyzing them the way we do. Yes. So we hear things that a lot of other people may not have heard, you sure. know. In, in the magazines and stuff. In like the we, we hear the behind the scenes stuff we, that goes on. We know people. But, yeah, but <laughs> I've, we're I've insiders, heard, guys. <laughs> I've heard some really great stuff about Diesel and, yeah. and the fact that he's a big D&D fan. Sure. He's like a total geek is pretty awesome. And I, so, I really think that like in watching this first movie, like I have to say he's one of the better actors in the movie. As much as I like Paul Walker and everything, he's got a couple questionable line readings, sure. a couple questionable facial expressions where he kind of just comes off like he doesn't quite know what to do. I yeah. mean, I still like the guy, don't get me wrong. But I do feel like uh, um, Vin Diesel does have some solid acting chops. That's troubling to hear. <laughs> I, <laughs> I the actually, best part of this movie. I do, I do I think that... I the best part. Listen, okay. the, the thing about it is, though, when it comes to action stars, your action star just has to be believable. He's totally believable. Yeah, yeah, he's, not, he's not They need me. to be likable, too. I... I, I would argue um, there is there's a slight cheesiness to the roles that Vin Diesel plays, but I think that he he understands that and he and he gives it that tongue in cheek thing that Schwarzenegger used to do. Schwarzenegger was way over the top with it. I think Vin Diesel gets that he's a muscle bound dude who could be seen as a thug, but he plays up to that in such a way that that it's appealing. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, there was something else I was going to talk about, but I can't remember. The, oh, it was about Paul Walker. Apparently, um, I can't remember what the what the project was. Paul Walker was a like an extra or like a supporting character in something that Rob Cohen had done, and they struck up a friendship. And he was very impressed by the way he carried himself. He said he was a very polite young man. He was very astute. He was very eager to learn. And uh, so he said, one of these days, I'm going to find a project for you that'll be your big starring role. It's going to be your lead thing. Uh, so he approached Paul Walker and he basically said, I really like you. I think there's something you have a star quality. I'm going to give you a call someday. And they exchanged their information. And when they wrote the fast and the furious, he had it written specifically for Paul Walker as a lead. Wow. And he called him and said, will you do it? And Walker was like, hell yeah, man. Like I want to work with you. And the rest is history. I mean, that's, that's a pretty amazing thing. You know, you wonder sometimes you look at like Matthew McConaughey comes out of nowhere. He's the lead of like a time to kill. Mm Mm-hmm. This is one of those stories where it's like that's how he just kind of came out of nowhere was that he impressed the director. They they liked each other and they worked together a lot after that. Well, so. there's a story similar um, in regards to Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith. Like the only reason Kevin Smith continued to cast Ben Affleck, at least early in his career, was because Ben Affleck wrote a nice letter to Kevin Smith basically thanking him for being a part of Mallrats. Wow. Interesting. It, it wasn't to be... for his acting fucking ability, that's <laughs> right. for sure. Well, back then, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
it, it pays to be nice. So yeah, everybody listening, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole, and don't street race illegally unless you have you're Dominic Toretto's cop. ability, yeah. or you're an undercover cop trying to stop a massive operation, and then want to turn your back on that massive operation and become yeah. one of the bad guys and spawn a franchise. The last DVD player under my watch has been stolen. That's right. It's time for me to retire and become one of the villains. Well, I think we've squeezed all the milk out of the first 15 minutes of the Fast and Furious that we can. Yeah, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, guys and gals. Uh, yes, we know all those that the furious, are uh, male and women. That's right. Male <laughs> and women. Both. Male and female. We, we have both types of music, country and western. Uh, <laughs> no, but male and female, uh, young yeah. and old, we thank you for listening in to this uh, first episode of So Fast, So Furious, the Fast and the Furious podcast. Where we watch the movies a quarter hour at a time. I am Zach Vicetta. Thanks for listening. I am Vito Lapicola. And I am Anthony Ravench. Thanks a lot, guys. See you next time.